What's the goal of the FNF Coaches Podcast? We want you to learn something from the best coaches in high school football. We hope that you'll jot down some notes that will help you improve your program. Welcome to the FNF Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Today's guest is the head coach at one of the most distinguished programs in the country, Hoover High School in Alabama. Josh Niblett took over for legendary coach Rush Prost in 2008. He has since led Hoover to a record of 159-25. and 25. Coach Niblett has seven Alabama state championships to his record. Also on his football resume is a playing career that peaked at the University of Alabama under Gene Stallings. He's also served as the Director of Strength and Conditioning at Jacksonville State University. At Hoover, he's produced arguably the top program in the Southeast. Coach Niblett shares his vision for culture building and gives the inside scoop on the team's strength and conditioning program. Stay tuned for that interview. Before we get to it, let's take 30 seconds to review the ways in which you can take advantage of more content from FNF Coaches. April will be Coaches Appreciation Month. We'll be honoring coaches from all over the country for the commitment and sacrifice they make on behalf of student athletes. If you want to receive a notification on your phone every time we produce our weekly podcast, subscribe to the FNF Coaches Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or Google Play. If you like what you hear, give it a five-star review. To check out all daily content on FNFCoaches.com, visit the website FNFCoaches.com. Let's get to the interview with Coach Niblett. Coach, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, Dan. Yeah, we're excited. We're, we know that you have a, a strength and conditioning background, but I also kind of want to talk to you about your general background as a player and then as a coach early in your career. Uh, I know you played at Alabama under Coach Stallings. What did you take away from that experience, and when did you start to get a sense that uh, coaching is something you wanted to do for a career? Well, I think it kind of goes back even further than that. I mean, like I can remember our, you know, my dad was a high school football coach for over 30-something years. And so, you know, growing up a gym rat and, you know, being the guy that was at the school nonstop all the time, you know, finding ways to compete against my older brother and, you know, whether it was hide-and-seek in the locker room or playing basketball or playing football or wiffle ball or whatever. So everything was always about competition. And then just watching my dad, you know, impact so many guys um, at an early age, um, I think I knew. At that point in time, like, of course, everybody has a dream of wanting to play in the NFL and go as far as you can go. But I think you also got to have a little bit of a reality check, too, to know that that's not going to last the rest of your life. And so what I watched my dad be able to do and the relationship we had with him and my mom um, through the, uh, the ministry of coaching, I mean, I knew that was something that we wanted to be able to do. So, uh, you know, I played for my dad in high school and then. You know, I had the opportunity to sign with Southern Miss out of high school. I played there one year and then transferred to Alabama um, and was there four years. Um, you know, Coach Stallings, I think the one thing I learned from him was is about discipline and toughness, and there were certain things that we were going to do that we were going to be really good at that was going to be our identity and how we went about our business, and that wasn't going to change. And we were expected to, you know, give our best every day to give a better version of ourselves. And I think he led by an example uh, when he led us. and. You know, he talked to us, he had relationships with us. And, you know, we didn't go through a day without him talking to us about, you know, what we need to try to accomplish that day and for that week. So, uh, you know, I took a lot of things from that. But I think the biggest thing I took from Coach Stallings was, was 
you know, just the discipline and the toughness of, of what it takes to, uh, to get kids to understand that and to play with that kind of toughness and live with that kind of toughness. And when did you really fall in love with strength and conditioning? Was it uh, at the high school level under your dad or was it more once you got to college? Well, I remember me and my brother would go, you know, get in the gym somehow at night. And I remember when I was in like the seventh grade, we lived in Georgia. My dad was coaching at a private school in South Southwest Georgia. And our house was across the road from the school. So, I mean, we got over there and I just remember, you know, being in the sixth or seventh grade benching, you know, 145 or 155. And I thought I was, you know, the Hulk. Um, and then you know, spotting my brother and, uh, and I think at that point in time, you know, when I got to be seventh and eighth grade, I just kind of wanted to start lifting. And, you know, I was kind of always one of those guys that, you know, tried to figure out my body. I mean, it was a lot of times I overtrained probably more than I should have just because I thought the more I did um, when you're at a younger age, you know, you think the bigger you'll get. And uh, I think that's the hardest thing to get kids to understand nowadays. Um, but then I just knew that when I got to college, I mean, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get bigger and stronger and, and had to find ways as far as what you were doing in the weight room. Um, you know, we power clean maybe a little bit in high school, but it, it wasn't that big. I mean, you bench, you squat, and you did some shoulder work, some arm work, and that was kind of about it. Um, and then when I got to college is when, you know, power cleans and snatches and push jerks and split jerk and all those kind of things became important because the game was going to change um, from what it was in high school for me. Um, and then I think when I got out of coaching college, um, you know, I wanted to be a college coach and I didn't want to just be a strength coach. I want to be a college coach and how strength coach kind of fell in my lap was, is, you know, when I got through playing ball at Alabama, um, I still had another year to get my student teaching and all that done for my certification. And so I went in bodybuilding. And so I did some bodybuilding for probably about nine months. And then, then I kind of went into powerlifting. Um, and so, you know, having that transition of seeing the different things that it takes to number one, build your body. Number two is to create force to build strength um, and being able to see all those things. Plus all the things that I did when I was at Alabama, when I, you know, trained with LeBaron Carruthers, um, you know, there, um, was big for me. And so when I went to, uh, coach at Jacksonville state, I was going to be a restricted earnings coach for $6,000. And I was the, uh, tight ends coach and tackles coach there. And after the first season, I think we won one game and, uh, our head coach called me in the office and, you know, he said, Hey, look, you know, our strength coach is leaving and I want you to be the strength coach. And so for me, you know, it was a, it was a great opportunity for me. And, uh, and I feel like the next year and a half, we, we made a big difference, not only in our players as as getting bigger, faster, and stronger, but also as people. <clears throat> yeah, and that's such a big thing. Like you said, uh, you know, and at the high school level, you recover probably a little quicker than we do, you know, at this age when we're trying to lift. But it is such a big key to build in recovery days and, you know, give your body a chance to catch up to kind of the punishment that you're putting it through to get bigger, faster, and stronger what was it like, you know, as a first-time strength and conditioning coach? This was, um, just to give our listeners an idea, this was in the late 90s that you were at Jacksonville State University. What was it like to put together your own strength program uh, for a college program? Well, I mean, it was something that, you know, taking all the variables in which I had been a part of, whether it was, you know, how I kind of trained myself to how we trained at Alabama and Southern Miss and you know, the things that I trained for to get ready for pro day, um, you know, all those things were, you know, now it wasn't about me. It was about, you know, everybody in the program, you know, it was about, 
you know, a hundred kids that you're trying to get bigger, faster, and stronger and add value to them and add value to their future and add value to the program. And so, you know, for me, it was just being organized for me. It was, you know, bringing the intensity and the energy every day. You know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer, like no matter whether you do front squat or back squat, I mean, it's the energy and uh, the kids understanding why and the intensity and the tempo and what you want it done at. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the key. And for me, I've always been a high energy guy. Um, and so, you know, I was never going to ask those kids to do something I didn't do. Um, you know, if they snatched, then I might jump down there and do snatch with them. Or if they squat, I'd jump down and do squats with them. And so, um, you know, I think it was me creating relationships with them because I think kids want to know how much you care before they care how much you know. And for me, coming into that strength program and developing that, that was big for me is to build those relationships with those players because you got to understand, you know, I was a tight ends and tackles coach. So I I didn't spend much time with the defensive players. And so when that January rolled around, there was a lot of trust that had to be built. And that was what I probably concentrated more on. And I think once we started building that trust and they saw their strength numbers change and their bodies changing, then we created a bond that, uh, you know, they'd do anything you ask them to do because they wanted to get better. Yeah, that is great. Now you said your goal was to eventually become a head coach of a, a college team, not necessarily strength and conditioning what made you decide after your experience at Jacksonville State to go back to high school football? Well, I mean, it was a situation where, you know, our our um, our head coach uh, had resigned and, and, you know, it was a situation where, you know, I'm sitting there and we're, you know, we're about four games into the season. And, you know, I was head of strength and conditioning. I was also coaching the running backs. I was administrative assistant to the head coach. I was head of all the spiritual stuff with FCA and men of will Bible studies. That was my ministry um, that God had blessed me with. And then I was also a head of team travel. So I, I wore a lot of hats. Um, and so for the next seven days, seven weeks, I mean, we had to make sure we're doing everything to give these kids an opportunity to be successful, but also knew at the end of seven weeks that it was a great possibility that, you know, I was going to be trying to find a job. And, uh, my wife, which our our son was, uh, I think six months old. Um, so I mean, you know, I mean, I'm leaving in the morning, and I, I, and for the first six months of his life, I mean, I only saw him when he was asleep. And so for me, it was about a reality check. Um, it was about priorities straight, and uh, and I think God allowed me a chance to endure that, and God allowed me a chance to go through that. So I would realize like really what I needed to be doing, and. Uh, you know, we just prayed to God about it. We put it in his hands, man, and my wife. And we was like, look, if you want us, you know, selling sporting goods equipment or digging ditches, you know, whatever you want me to do, I mean, I'll wake up and do it. You know, I just, just open the door and close the door of what you want us to do. And so, uh, you know, I mean, it was an opportunity where I interviewed with two different schools and me and my wife were at an Alpha insurance uh, uh, Christmas party that she worked for Alpha. And we were driving home. We was like, Lord, we hadn't heard anything for two weeks. Can you just give us a sign? And the next day, within 10, 10 o'clock to 1030, both of those schools had called and offered me the job. And so, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to become a head coach at an early age um, in 2000. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Yeah. How how old were you in 2000? That was, Were you like 25 or? No, I was 27. Okay. Um, I was 27 when I got the job. Um, you know, I graduated college um, at 23. Uh-huh. And then I was at Jacksonville State for right at two and a half years. Got it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I was still young um, and uh, still learning for sure. 
Was that a challenge? Because, you know, a lot of times there are guys who are on staff who are working towards becoming a head coach themselves and, uh, you know, have much more experience, veteran coaches. Was it difficult to kind of get a, a, a coaching staff all on the same page when you come in at that age? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, no, no doubt. I mean, I'm, you know, I think when you come in and people have never really heard of you, I mean, you got to remember now, I was a strength and conditioning coach. I mean, so, I mean, somebody's probably wondering, I mean, they had 96 applicants for that job and uh, they interviewed right at about 20 of us. And, uh, you know, and I got the opportunity to get the job. And so there was a lot of well-known coaches that had interviewed for that job. Um, and there were three other guys that were assistants that were on staff and, you know, it's all about trying to, you know, build trust with them. Um, and so that transition, my first time, you know, was just trying to get everybody on the same page. And uh, in those days, like my defense coordinator coached offensive line. And then, you know, I was like the offense coordinator head coach and then coach linebackers on defense. So you're doing it with four of you. And during the day, you know, my D coordinator was, you know, about 600 feet away and I'm doing elementary PE while I'm up teaching PE seven periods a day with our, our, uh, our older kids. And so you very seldom did you get to communicate. Um, and so just trying to build that trust and then running an off season program kind of by yourself a little bit, um, was, was big, you know, for me to try to, uh, adjust the culture there because they were one and nine and three and seven, the two years before I got there, but tapping big into some history that they'd had there where they were good, um, was big. And then, you know, like going somewhere like Oxford, which was my next stop, there were a lot of guys that had been on that staff with some guys prior and they were kind of lifers there. Like they had been there for a while. They didn't plan on leaving, even if I left and went somewhere else. Um, and so you, you look at those opportunities with those guys. Now you're bringing loyalty and where I might be the third coach they work for, you know, so how am I going to be different? How am I going to make them feel wanted and known? Cause that's what everybody wants. And then when I came to Hoover, you know, it was the deal where, you know, my defense coordinator, my first two years had interviewed for the job also. Um, but him and I played together at Alabama and we had a relationship and I interviewed every guy on that staff um, and then made a decision on who I was going to keep and who I was going to bring in. But you know, I think the key is just when you're dealing with other people is about honesty. And I think you got to be honest with them and uh, everybody wants you to be ultimately honest with them. Um, but uh, some people may not tell you that, um, but at the end of the day, I'd rather somebody be honest with me than somebody beat around the bush and try to make me feel good about some decision that's been made. Um, but that's probably the one thing is you want to surround yourself with great people. And I've been fortunate to do that. Yeah. And everybody obviously has heard of Hoover, everybody. Um, and you followed in the footsteps of Rush Prost and everybody knows him too. What was appealing to you about uh, accepting that job? Well, just, I mean, the same thing that would be appealing to you, Dan, if I said, hey, you know, you got an opportunity to be the next head coach at Hoover High School. I think you would know enough about it to be like, man, that'd be, that'd be an awesome. Cause it, I mean, it was the, I mean, it was the, the highest level in Alabama, probably the highest level. And as far as premier um, football program in the Southeast and uh, you know, and MTV probably had a little bit to do with that as far as the exposure. But I mean, the way the kids played here, um, you know, the way Rush and his staffs, you know, won here, um, the toughness that the kids played with, the, the good players that they had, the talent, um, but also, um, you know, how they played and then the amount of games that they won. And so, you know, of course, when I came in here, um, I was just excited about the opportunity. Um, and then, 
when I was given that opportunity, and of course, there were certain things that I wanted to set, a certain culture that I wanted to have. But the one thing that couldn't change was is we had to keep winning. You know, we had to keep competing for championships. And so um, I think that was what was appealing and excited because when I came here, you knew, hey, you got a shot to win it every year. Now, whether you do it or not, be left up to you and the kids, but you do have a chance to win. And, uh, you know, sometimes I don't know if you could say that everywhere you go and coach, um, but I was very fortunate that here. Yeah. At the high school level, uh, you see, you know, the, the biggest difference, I guess, from the college level is you don't always have a strength and conditioning expert or a strength and conditioning coach to uh, kind of take over that part of the program. A lot of times it's a position coach or even the head coach is kind of doing the strength and conditioning programming. How much of a stamp uh, do you put on that, uh, the strength and conditioning side? Oh, well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what I love to do. That's what I know is heavily important because, you know, every culture, every program is built on a foundation. So whatever you feel is important is what you build. And so our foundation is about relationships and it's, it's fake family and football. And so no matter what facet of our program it is, whether it's a Monday practice um, or whether it's pregame warmups or how we travel to a game or if it's off-season workouts, it's all about relationships. So how can we create these relationships to be stronger? Well, the only way that I know how to do that is, is as a staff, we got to be highly involved with our kids 24-7, 365. And the way we do that is, is when they step foot on campus, we're around them. Um, and so – for me, I mean, I keep my edge. Um, like I told you, I'm a high-energy guy. I'm very passionate about what I get to do every day. And the more stress that I have on me, the better I am. Um, and so, you know, I tell people all the time, like, I'll never retire because as soon as I retire, I don't have any stress. I'll probably die. So I need as much stress as possible. And so for me, you know, it's filling out, you know, it's taking six hours on a weekend to make up the workout for the next week. You know, it's it's – revamping you know Wednesday's workout when I didn't when I feel like we need to revamp and it take two hours on Tuesday to do that um and it's 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 just about being passionate about what you do and making my staff want to be as passionate as I am about it and training our young men so there's a lot of people that have strength coaches and then there's a lot of head coaches that never go in the weight room there's a lot of coaches that pass through the weight room there's a lot of coaches that are highly involved but for me it's just how we do it I want to be highly involved with our kids and I want them to uh to have a relationship with me and our staff. Yeah. I think that's a great place to build it. Cause that's in the off season. That's where you're spending so much time, you know, building camaraderie, team chemistry and getting everybody on the same page. So I think it's smart of you to be heavily involved in that aspect of the program. Now, this is kind of a, a transition period uh, for a lot of coaches in the strength and conditioning program because you're, you know, January, February or early March is uh kind of a, a building, you know, power phase where you're really just trying to build up the strength and now now it's a, a little bit of a transition what does a, a week look for like for the hoover uh strength and conditioning program at this time of year at, you know late march well you know we just transitioned we're on spring break right now so we just transitioned last week um to a three-day split um but before that leading up to that point from january until that point we're on a four-day split um and so uh, where we were lifting um, four days a week. Of course, it was a you know a, a heavy explosion day, a speed explosion day, a heavy lower body day, um, and a speed a lower body day, and then a heavy upper and a speed upper, and then auxiliaries that try to help um, facilitate you know those certain lifts um, and those opportunities. 
Um, then Wednesdays would be mindset day where we don't lift on that day. It'd be our day of rest and we bring the kids in and serve on breakfast. And then we do mindset training, which I think is, is just as important as strength training. Um, and so we do that, um, to add tools to their, to their life and add value to them. And then, you know, once we go to the three day split, um, you know, we'll, we'll train three days a week in the weight room and then uh, we'll train agility work. We call it toughness Tuesday. So we have like eight to nine uh, stations that we go through um, from everything to, you know, one-on-one tug of war to, uh, you know, four-point wave drill, two-point wave drill, you know, some kind of star drill, some kind of speed transition drill, um, plyo drill. We got all kinds of drills that we do. And then on Thursday, our guys are split up into teams. And Thursday is what we call competition Thursday. And so they go out and compete against each other, uh, their teams do, um, on the field. And so we're getting the same kind of work that we get on Toughness Tuesday, uh, they just don't realize it because they're having a lot more fun on Thursday than they are on Tuesday. Um, but that's kind of how we do it. Um, and that's where we are right now. So in April, we'll still stay a three-day split. We'll add a little conditioning to the end of the Tuesday, Thursdays to get us ready for spring ball, which will come up um, the first week of May. And those competition days that you mentioned on Thursday, how do you split up those groups to to make it even so it's you know pretty competitive? Well, what ends up happening is, is we have like a two-week evaluation period with our coaches. So, you know, we've probably got 140 guys lifting right now, which is uh, rising uh, sophomores through rising seniors. Um, and we'll have a, like a two-week evaluation period. We take them through a workout, but it's a, really an opportunity for the coaches to get to meet guys, know guys, create relationships with guys, especially the younger guys, because our varsity guys have not been around those guys a whole lot. Um and then our coaches will uh, will draft. We'll have a draft day. And so they're like NFL teams, and they're drafting guys um, from the groups. And, you know, we go through. It's like 10 rounds of drafting that go on, and we have 12 teams, and uh, and that's how we do it. And so, you know, hey, you pick, you know, this guy because he can bench, or you pick this guy because he can run, or you pick this guy because he's going to behave well and have great grades. It all works together. There's no one tool that you have that's going to allow you to win more than anybody else. It's about the complete player. And it's really great because it's an opportunity for you to really see guys um, and coaches um, as far as knowing where you go in the draft um, and the trust that people have and the trust that we got to grow. Um, And then within those 12 teams, Dan, um, the captain, the coach will pick a captain and he wears a black shirt. And so he'll have a black shirt on that will have a Captain C logo on it with his family logo. All the other guys have gray shirts. Now, if he's late or he doesn't work hard that day or he doesn't do what he's supposed to do or he gets in trouble, then the next day he takes his black shirt off, has to hand it to somebody else in the team, and he goes back to a gray shirt. And so, uh, you know, we're just trying to build leadership, trying to build some uh, some relationships, but some responsibility and commitment too. Yeah. And you said you're a high energy guy and you like to get involved in the weight room. What what would it look like? You know, I was talking to another coach a few weeks ago who said, uh, you know, his motto for his program is, you know, it should look like, you know, it what what it should look like is it should always look professional. It should always look like guys are excited, motivated. If you were to walk into a classroom, he wants his guys in the front row and they're participating. What would it look like if somebody walked into a, a you know, Hoover lifting session in the weight room what would the energy be like total chaos yeah total chaos i mean everybody should be working sweating everybody's getting after it because with us there's no 
you know, guy doing bench and then three guys waiting. And then all of a sudden when he's done with bench, he's going to stand there and wait. I mean, everybody's constantly doing something. So we complex all of our lifts. Um, you know, when our guys walk into the weight room, they're going straight into a warm-up set. They'll know what it is because I've already told it to them after our warm-up in the gym, um, which our warm-up in the gym is like a six-station warm-up that we go through that, you know, is everything from hip mobility to plyometrics to speed work to foot quickness to uh, sprint work um, to flexibility. And those guys are going through those stations for two minutes. So we've already done sometimes as much as some other programs do um, as far as like an agility work that we're doing before we even go in the weight room. Um, They'll know what the weight is. They'll know what they're supposed to do. And then our weight room is kind of seg like the way we we separated is is the the DL have their racks, the OL have their racks, but we want them close to each other because they're always competing against each other. Then we'll have the skilled offense, skilled defense, which is your DBs, wide receivers. We're gonna have them close to each other. Um, and then you'll have your big skill, which is like your running backs, your quarterbacks, and your tight ends and your linebackers all kind of together. And then then in the middle. Between all of our racks, we have 32 racks. And so on the outside, uh, these over here, you know, you got all those guys. And then the other ones on the other side, and all our young guys are in the middle. So we try to keep them in the middle so our older guys can coach them up and our coaches can kind of move around. But when you come in, I mean, you're going to see guys going. You're going to hear me barking stuff out. You're going to see coaches coaching. You're going to see players coaching. But you're going to see bars moving at all time and not sitting still. So when a guy's done, he's going to be constantly doing something else. Um, and so that's what we do. And and if you hear a coach get upset, it's because another guy is not moving with the tempo that we want in the weight room. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, no, it sounds sounds uh, exciting to walk into and see that. Now, do you um, what are the core lifts that you test on, uh, to, you know, to see how guys are progressing? Well, I'm a big clean guy. And so we power clean from the floor because – you know, we do power pulls, we do hand cleans, but we test and we have a big day of lift on uh, on power cleans. Uh, matter of fact, you know, we just tested for doubles and singles uh, right before we got out for spring break. And I think we ended up with 29 guys that clean over 225 or better, which was huge for us. Hopefully we're going to – we had some other ones. We probably had about eight or nine guys that were on the 220 brink. So we hope by April, you know, those guys will be up there in the numbers also. Um, and for us, it's just – you know, it's it's power cleans, it's squat, parallel squats, um, and then it's bench. You know, I'm I did a lot of bench when I was kind of growing up. I mean, like I'm not gonna lie, I love doing bench. You know, but kids today just aren't good benchers. I mean, they just not. I don't know what it is. Um, and so you know, we we try to adjust the grips a little bit to try to fit. You know, what they do within their position, whether it's close grip, medium grip, um, incline. But kids want to bench, so we're gonna bench and. Uh, and we've gotten stronger, and I think that's that's what's been big for us. So those are the three lifts that we do, power, clean, squat, and uh, bench. And I know last year, uh, you know, it was maybe because of the dead period at, at the college level, but I know you guys did a combine at Hoover. What? How do you – is that just basically you're running the same stuff they do at the NFL combine? How do you put it on, and how do you get those um, – the, the results out to college recruiters? Well, for us, it was it was a big deal. I mean, just because at that point in time, you know, you know these seniors. I mean, you were you're just in a situation where coaches couldn't get out. I mean, you didn't have any spring tape. There were no spring evaluations. There were no summer camps. And so, you know, we just put our head together. And you know, Darrell Fuquay, who was our head of uh, recruiting for us, um, he uh, 
you know, him and Raleigh Niblett put this together. And, you know, so we took off and we ran with it with uh, also with Godspeed, who is a, uh, who's a, their place here um, that, um, you know, Lance Rhodes uh, owns it. You know, he played quarterback at Hoover. Um, and, you know, they train a lot of NFL guys. Um, they train a lot of just normal population. They train high school athletes, but they did all the testing for us. Um, and so for us, yeah, it was the NFL combine. First, we start off with measurements. We videotaped every single thing. So, and then we showed the measurement. Like we didn't just give you the measurement. Like we put the video on it. We took snapshots of it so you could see it. Then we built databases for the kids um, that would have all their footage on there. So once you hit it, if you want to watch him run the 40, you watch him run the 40. You can put your own clock on him if you wanted to. Um, all the agility drills, the they pick, they could pick whether they want to do 185 or 225 on the bench. Um, we got their reach, their wingspan, you know, we got their broad jump. You know, we got everything, their hand sizes. Uh, so everything you could possibly get that the NFL got, we got on our guys. And we just got through building um, these athlete profiles. And so we hope at the end of April, we may try to do another one um, just so we can get their data updated. Um, and so what we'll do is, is they'll have these profiles that when it comes up, it's like a cover page that has their picture and maybe them in action or whatever. And then it has their profile down at the bottom. So when you hit that profile, all the footage comes up, but it's kind of a one-stop shop to where you could see it, you know? Um, and so we're excited about that virtue that we've kind of added to what we're doing. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I mean, our guys did a really good job of that and organizing it and uh, making it run smooth. That's great. Yeah. No, I commend you guys for kind of shifting and pivoting, here during this dead period, it's been so difficult for coaches to find ways to get kids recruited. We've heard from coaches who have said, uh, you know, there's nothing you can do, but, you know, there's always something you can do. And that's a great way to get guys looks in terms of, um, you know, shifting and pivoting or while I was on that subject, I wanted to ask you about technology and, and what you use in the weight room now that you see a lot of these coaches uh, use these platforms where guys are on their phones or their their tablets or in the weight room and kind of that's giving them the percentage of weight they're supposed to be at for each thing or uh, you know you see the accelerometers is there any new technology you're using now that maybe you weren't using when you started as a strength and conditioning coach look if it takes me six hours to do the workout on the weekends then I'm probably not using a lot of technology <laughs> um no I'm I mean look <clears throat> I'm kind of old school when it comes to that. I'm old school where, you know, we've done everything, instant gratification for the kids where we hand them everything. I mean, like, can we not teach them how to look up a percentage? You know, I mean, it will help them in math class, you know? I mean, so, uh, you know, so we want to create a little bit of commitment and ownership with our players. Um, and so, you know, I draw, I do everything on Google, uh, Google sheets and, um, uh, I build it on Google Sheets uh, and all of our layouts. Um, then our workouts are up on screens in each corner so our kids can follow those. Each coach has them so they can take their kids through it. Um, and then the kids will have their own little cards that have all their matches on it and then tells every percentage that they do have. So, you know, if they're a 345 bencher, then – their first deal's at 50% and then it goes all the way up to a hundred. So then they'll see the weight that they're doing. Um, Cause it's a lot easier. We want them to have to do something to look at it um, just to take on some responsibility. And uh, 
we make sure they're doing the right weight and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But as far as technology goes, I'm still kind of old school when it comes to that. Um, you know, setting up the sheet. I mean, you probably can't even see this, but this would be like one of the sheets here, yeah. you know? And so like, it's, you know, it's just, it's just the way I've been it's the way I'll probably always be. So, yeah. I talked to a coach last week. Uh, he's actually from Texas, and I asked him about mentoring. You know, does he seek out mentors or talk to other coaches, try to find out new, uh, you know, talk to strength and conditioning coaches, find out the new way things are being done or the, if there are any new innovative ideas out there. He said he actually went to a camp uh, or a clinic, a coach's clinic uh, at Alabama with Coach Saban. Have you done anything like that where you seek out mentoring opportunities with other coaches? Oh yeah. Oh, constantly. I mean, you know, I mean, especially during the pandemic, um, you know, just getting on zooms and getting on clinics and I'm always trying to learn. I'm reading books, you know, I'm always looking for ways to get better. I mean, you know, Alabama strength coaches will come on Twitter. Um, Matt Rhea and those guys, I mean, and they'll come on there on Twitter every now and then put something out and then I'll go to YouTube and see if I can find something else. And then, you know, I'm looking for unilateral lunges variations and, I'm looking for certain stuff. Then they'll put something out about a D lineman that's doing like a backwards lunge with a lean press. And the next day we're going to try it and we're going to get it. Cause you know, I mean, like we're just looking for ways to better what we do. I'm not looking for ways to do something that's just innovative. I'm trying to do something that's going to make us better. Yeah. Scott Cochran is a really good friend of mine who is, was a strength coach at Alabama for numerous years. Now as a special teams coordinator at Georgia, you know, him and I, matter of fact, talked last weekend or the weekend before last, um, you know, uh, coach Batson at, uh, Clemson, you know, I studied a lot of things that they were doing there. Um, uh, a few years back, um, coach Moffitt at LSU has always been a guy that was always big in helping me. Um, and then going to clinics, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always big that I think, uh, when you look for opportunities to get better, you'll find ways to get better. Um, and so for me, you know, it wasn't about just what we were doing. It was about, hey, how can I seek more knowledge, kind of sharpen my edge and uh, and see how we can make ourselves better. And so I don't mind that. I mean, I'm, my ego's out the door you know, when it comes to that. I just want to learn. Yeah, that's great. I wanted to ask you about a couple of things you mentioned earlier. One of them was uh, the metal preparation. And I, it is interesting. And you prioritized it that it seems like almost as much as the physical side by devoting a day for mental preparation what does that day look like? What What do you do to kind of get your players prepared for the grind of a of a football season? Well, I, and I think the other thing is too, like you know, we we start workouts at six thirty in the morning, and so you know, our kids come in at six twenty, and they're activating within their groups of their units, so they're warming up. And then when I blow the whistle at like six twenty eight or six twenty nine, then they'll line up in their teams, and then uh, you know, I'll give them about a two minute word of wisdom that day, um, and it might be. From a devotional, it may be something I read in a book that I'm reading at that particular time, or it might be something that just came to mind that morning while I was running or working out or doing something. And so I'll display that to them to try to add some value to them before the workout starts. Um, and then I'll always have something to tell them at the end of the workout based off of what we've done. You know, did we get better today or did we get worse? You know, we never stay the same. And then Wednesdays, um, you know, what we do is we bring them in and, uh, Coach Neb, who is my brother, it's our offense coordinator. You know, he's he's our uh, head of uh, player development. Um, that's one thing that we try to do on our staff is every guy has another title on top of what they are and what they do. So they've got to take ownership in that. And, uh, 
it just allows them an opportunity to add some value and help me develop them. So when they get ready to move on, um, you know, whether it be to go be a head coach or a coordinator, we've added some value to them. So we try to give them more responsibility. So coach Nib handles our, uh, our character and mindset day. And so our kids come in, they're dressed for school. Um, our older guys, like our seniors and our captains will feed the players. So they'll hand out sausage and biscuits and those kind of things. Um, we'll give the kids a chance to fellowship and, uh, you have to sit with your teams and we really don't want them to sit in the same spot every week, because if you change the place and change the pace, you change the perspective. And so we want to make sure we're doing that. Um, our coaches are highly involved. I mean, I sit right in the middle on the second row. Every player must have a notebook and a pen. Um, and then, you know, we're spread out, mask up, and, you know, and then we're going to work. And Coach has a PowerPoint that he takes them through. I mean, you know, right now, um, you know, we, we did the foundation, and then, you know, we're about five or six weeks into it because before that we were doing like a 30-minute session in the mornings two days a week while we're on a four-day split. Um, or actually when we were out of school, all virtual. Um, and so, so now it's been a little bit better um, as far as us being able to get all the kids in there. Now that we're on a three-day split, the kids will come in there, dress for workouts, and we'll have a 30-minute session still set up and everything, um, and then we'll feed them breakfast after the workout's over with. So uh, right now we're on the R factor. You know, we, we just went through, you know, pressing pause and we just went through getting our mind right. And so, so now we're, we're continuing to take that, that virtue, that value that we need in our program uh, to another level. So that's where we're at right now on mindset. That's great. Yeah. It seems like it's, it's all very um, calculated and determined and uh, there are a lot of reinforcements in place to make sure that the guys are, um, you know, kind of buying into the culture and living that lifestyle how, what what in the instances when you see that guys maybe aren't buying into the culture that you're looking to establish for the team, what can you do to get them kind of steered on the right path? Well, I mean, we have, uh, you know, just, I mean, there's always consequences when you don't make the right decisions, whatever that may be. Um, and, you know, during the season, whether it's playing time or, you know, whatever it may be. Because um, I want our kids to understand that, you know, it's about making great choices and doing the right things. And, and that never changes. Like, doesn't matter how old you get or how long you live, the choices you make will always dictate the consequences in which you live by. Um, and so, you know, we might have, you know, bring them in, you know, like if we got kids that are struggling doing the right things because, you know, we're real big on being early. You know, we're real big on responsibilities um, and, and academics. Um, we're real big on, you know, doing what you say you're going to do and behaving the right way. Um, you know, we just – we try to grow them. Um, and then, because here's the deal, like you could take a kid and run him, you could do bear crawls, you could do all this, but you're, you're, whatever you're doing to train your kids to add value to them, if it's not changing the behavior, then it ain't working. And so, you know, we don't, we want our players to do it because it's the right thing to do. Um, and for us in our program, we've been very fortunate because our players handle a lot of it. I mean, like, you know, we'll, our players take responsibility in knowing that, you know, they believe in the same standards that we want. Um, we just know that every day, some days guys are going to wake up and it's not going to be their best day, you know, and some days they wake up, they're not going to have the best attitude. Some days they're not going to work, work out. Some days they're not going to want to come to school. So what can we do to get their mindset right? Um, and also hold them accountable, uh, to how we want to go about that, uh, in our, in our program. Absolutely. Well, 
you're obviously doing a great job with it. You've got a great record there at Hoover, and um, we wish you continued success. Coach, uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy your uh, your vacation week this week, and all the best to you moving forward. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, Dan. Thank you for having us. Appreciate what you guys do for high school football also. Thanks. Thanks so much for saying that. Thanks to Coach Niblett for joining the podcast and sharing his experience of building a powerhouse school in Alabama. Follow him on Twitter, at Josh Niblett. That's at J-O-S-H-N-I-B-L-E-T-T. Don't forget to give the pod a five-star review on your preferred platform. The FNF Coaches Podcast is an AE Engine production. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.